Hello and welcome. The Setting Apart podcast is a pit stop where you can get nourished, encouraged, and refreshed whenever you need a break. I am your host, IP, and every episode I get to share my stories, my outlook, my reflections on all things inspired through the lens of faith. So grab yourself a coffee, sit back, relax, and chill. Starting this season, season two, the Setting Apart podcast is also available on YouTube. The upside to watching YouTube is that you have subtitles to follow along or read along with me when I proclaim sacred scripture. Now, this could be helpful to non-Catholic listeners since starting this season, I will be covering the seven deuterocanonical books of scripture available in a Catholic Bible. The plan is to cover one book for every season, starting with the book of Tobit, and one to two chapters per episode, depending on the length of the chapter. Now, I'm not a Bible scholar, so this is not a scholarly kind of podcast, but rather it is based on my reflection using the prayer of Lecture Divina to meditate and gain a better understanding of sacred scripture. Why should you bother? Well, ignorance of scripture is ignorance of Christ, and we do not need to be Bible scholars to get to know him. The Bible I'm reading from is the New American Bible or the NAB online version taken from the United States Conference of Catholic Bishops or the USCCB website. I will leave a link in the episode note below for your reference. I invite you to read along with me if you can. For those of you who have a Catholic Bible, you can use whatever version you have to read along. And for those of you who do not have a Catholic Bible, you are welcome to read along using the online version from the USCCB website or just chill and listen. Or alternatively, you can tune into YouTube where you can follow along with the subtitles there. As always, I will leave the YouTube and Bible links below in the episode notes. All references and sources used or coded in the episode will be listed in the show notes on our website. The URL for the website is settingapart.com and setting apart is one word. The Setting Apart podcast is a one-man passion project. So if you find that it has touched you in any which way, please hit the like and subscribe buttons and share it with your people. That way, more people may get to check it out. In this episode, episode 4, we are going to cover Tobit chapter 3. But before we do so, let's have a quick recap on the last episode. In the first two chapters, we learned that Tobit is truly exceptional when it comes to carrying out faith and works in his life. He is exceptional because he does so despite the northern kingdom of Israel, after the split from Judah in the south, has been led into idolatry, worshipping pagan gods and golden calves. Yet Tobit remains faithful in keeping the Mosaic law and tradition and in doing charitable deeds to his kindred. Notwithstanding, towards the end of chapter 2, Blinded in his pride and ego, Tobit did not believe Anna, 
even accused her of stealing. Anna, in turn, rebuked and mocked Tobit. With that, we shall read chapter 3 in this episode. Let us now take a moment to quiet down our hearts as we prepare to listen to the Word of God. Let us pray. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Dear Lord, we thank you for the opportunity to gather in your name, to listen attentively to you. As it is written, as your word unfolds, it gives light. Even the simple understand. We pray that the Holy Spirit in our midst could guide us in opening our ears and our heart to be enlightened by your word. Speak, Lord, your servant is listening. In Jesus' name we pray, Amen. Tobit chapter 3 Then, sad at heart, I groaned and wept aloud. With sobs I began to pray. You are righteous, Lord, and all your deeds are just. All your ways are mercy and fidelity. You are judge of the world. And now, Lord, be mindful of me and look with favor upon me. Do not punish me for my sins or for my inadvertent offenses or for those of my ancestors. They sinned against you and disobeyed your commandments. So you handed us over to plunder, captivity, and death, to become an object lesson, a byword, and a reproach in all the nations among whom you scattered us. Yes, your many judgments are right in dealing with me as my sins and those of my ancestors deserve for we have neither kept your commandments nor walked in fidelity before you. So now deal with me as you please. Command my life breath to be taken from me, that I may depart from the face of the earth and become dust. It is better for me to die than to live, because I have listened to undeserved reproaches, and great is the grief within me. Lord, command that I be released from such anguish. Let me go to my everlasting abode. Do not turn your face away from me, Lord, for it is better for me to die than to endure so much misery in life and to listen to such reproaches. On that very day, at Agbertana in Media, it so happened that Raguel's daughter, Sarah, also had to listen to reproaches from one of her father's maids, for she had been given in marriage to seven husbands. But the wicked demon, Asmodeus, kept killing them off before they could have intercourse with her as is prescribed for wives. The maid said to her, you are the one who kills your husbands. Look, you have already been given in marriage to seven husbands, but you do not bear the name of a single one of them. Why do you beat us? Because your husbands are dead? Go 
join them. May we never see son or daughter of yours. That day, Sarah was sad at heart. She went in tears to an upstairs room in her father's house and wanted to hang herself. But she reconsidered, saying to herself, No, may people never reproach my father and say to him, You had only one beloved daughter, but she hanged herself because of her misfortune. And thus would I bring my father, laden with sorrow in his old age, to Hades. It is far better for me not to hang myself, but to beg the Lord that I might die and no longer have to listen to such reproaches in my lifetime. At that same time, with hands outstretched toward the window, she implored favor. Blessed are you, merciful God. Blessed be your holy and honorable name forever. May all your words forever bless you. Now to you, Lord, I have turned my face and have lifted up my eyes. Bid me to depart from the earth, never again to listen to such reproaches. You know, Master, that I am clean of any defilement with a man. I have never sullied my own name or my father's name in the land of my captivity. I am my father's only daughter, and he has no other child to be his heir. Nor does he have a kinsman or close relative whose wife I should wait to become. Seven husbands of mine have already died. Why then should I live any longer? But if it does not please you, Lord, to take my life, look favorably upon me and have pity on me, that I may never again listen to such reproaches. At that very time, the prayer of both of them was heard in the glorious presence of God. So Raphael was sent to heal them both, to remove the white scales from Tobit's eyes, so that he might again see with his own eyes God's light, and to give Sarah, the daughter of Raguel, as a wife to Tobiah, the son of Tobit and to rid her of a wicked demon, Asmodeus. For it fell to Tobias' lot to claim her before any others who might wish to marry her. At that very moment, Tobit turned from the courtyard to his house, and Raguel's daughter, Sarah, came down from the upstairs room. End of reading There are two main parts in chapter 3. The first part deals with Tobit's prayer, while the second part looks at Sarah's plight. Let's unpack the first part. Paradoxically, Tobit accused Anna of stealing a goat at the end of chapter 2. But when Anna rebuked him, Tobit was saddened by her taunting. Blinded by pride, the truth evaded Tobit when he could not believe Anna. In a similar way, this spiritual blindness of Tobit reminds me of Romans chapter 11, in the sense that part of Israel's heart 
were hardened in their unbelief in Romans chapter 11 until the Redeemer will come to remove the godlessness from Jacob. The Jacob here is a quotation from Isaiah, which of course refers to Israel. In that sense, Raphael, the angel who represents the divinity of Christ, is coming to the rescue of Tobit and Sarah. From verse 1, Anna's rebuke humiliated and saddened Tobit because sometimes the truth hurts. It hurts Tobit deeply such that he prays to God to let him die. And so today, we too may say things to those dearest to us that hurt the most. It is a good reminder yet again for us to be more mindful of the things we say and how we say it, especially to our loved ones. What we do not want is to be amenable to outsiders, yet harsh and cold to our loved ones. That would be hypocritical. Now, under the rulers of the northern kingdom of Israel, whereas most of the people of Israel have been led into idolatry by worshipping the golden calves and other pagan gods, Tobit still makes regular pilgrimages to the kingdom of Judah in the south to worship at the temple of Jerusalem and carries out his good deeds there. His charity never ceases. I would like to highlight a couple of points that strikes me about Tobit's fidelity to God. First, in the previous episode, I ponder on the distance between Nineveh and Jerusalem, which is estimated to be about 600 miles apart, which I estimated that it could take about a month or more to travel back and forth. Tobit was among the few who took the road less traveled for them to go against the general consensus or the norm then and persevere is worthwhile for us to reflect on. It must have been tough for Tobit and the faithful to keep to the tradition passed down from their ancestors while the majority of the exiled generation was doing the exact opposite. Imagine how lonely it might be to be going up against the mainstream. You're always the outsider. What is worst? They would have to endure the mockery and reproaches from the idolaters when in fact they should have been commended and modeled for their fidelity. When I take a look around the world today, you know what? Not much has changed since Tobit's time. We're still living in the world of great divide, a world of the haves and the have-nots, and a world of the do's and the do-nots. You see, in a world of wealth, with an unprecedented number of billionaires increasing in recent years, yet starvation still claims a child's life every three seconds in 2018 according to the World Economic Forum in 2019. As always, I will leave a link below in the episode notes. A child dies of starvation every three seconds. Now that's an alarming piece of statistics. When was the last time you actually fed the hungry or gave alms to the needy and the poor? 
What about the spiritually hungry? When was the last time you brought someone to our faith, to our church? You know, with existing technology, we can give donations to the Catholic foundations with a few clicks on our smartphone to help fulfill the many humanitarian causes, including feeding the hungry, the poor, and the needy. So it's never been easier to give alms. You can also help in the evangelization, the sharing of the good news of salvation without saying a single word, simply by forwarding faith podcasts and YouTube channels like the Setting Apart podcast and all your other favorites without uttering a single word. Heck, you don't even need to forward them. All you need is to click the like button so that others may listen or watch them. So, with technology, there is really no excuse. And if you like what you're hearing, you know what to do, right? Hit the like button and smash subscribe so you will be notified and others may get to check it out as well. And thank you for that. So, the moral of the story is, if you are part of the haves, give some love and dignity to your brothers and sisters who are the have-nots. Do your part if you haven't already done so. Amen. Amen. Then there are the do's and the do-nots. What do I mean? While Catholics predominantly um, support pro-life, others, including the evangelical Christians, however, are predominantly pro-choice. So while we both are believers in Christ, okay, but our position on this issue could not be further from one another. In the absence of absolute truth, there can be no truth. And that's the world we live in today. No different from Tobit. So what is truth? Truth is when the revelation from God matches up with our reality. If what is revealed by God does not match up with our reality, then it is untruth. To acquire this truth, we must grow in our understanding of the truth that God has revealed to us. Second, our action speaks volume about where our heart is. Recently, I read about Father Philip Heng, who was sent to serve in Dili, the capital city of Timor-Leste, one of the poorest countries in Asia. This is an excerpt from the Catholic news I would like to share. And I quote, Many of the Timorese in the rural areas have to walk some one to two hours together with their infants, young children, and the elderly to get to church. They have to brave unpredictable and heavy rains, which are almost a daily occurrence in December. Moreover, the mountainous paths and roads are rough, muddy, and slippery. In some remote areas, it is necessary to cross rivers, which become inaccessible when the rains are heavy and prolonged. End of quote. Immediately, it reminds me of Tobit, who had to make the long journey from Nineveh to Jerusalem in order to worship at the dwelling place of God. And yet today, in the comfort of our modern society, what could be our excuse for not attending church 
where we have one of the most efficient public transportation and one of the best maintained roadworks and infrastructures in the world? Or what could be our excuse for not attending online masses at the comfort of our home? To me, it is a good reminder to examine what is our priority to God in our life. Are we putting God above all else? Or is He an afterthought? Again, action speaks louder than words. Last but not the least, despite Tobit's best effort in his fidelity to and his piety of God, he is not perfect. And that's the good news because none of us is. We are all sinners and we all have our weaknesses. The devil is always waiting for the opportune time, remember, to strike in our moment of weakness. This is one of the best parts I like about the book of Tobit so far, as St. Bede puts it eloquently. And I quote, Tobit, who was blind, yet also rebuked, yet also chosen. And this is who we are. We may be blinded by our ego, our pride, our lust, yet we are also the chosen race. Just like Abraham, Moses, King David, St. Peter, none of them were perfect, yet all are chosen. Let me continue, and I quote, For Jacob, by wrestling with the angel, became lame, yet also blessed, clearly signifying the unfaithful of his race in lameness, the faithful in blessing. End of quote. Wow, how beautiful is that? Just like Tobit and Jacob, I can see the faithfulness and the unfaithfulness both within me. If we are aware that we are all sinners, then perhaps we may refrain from criticizing or scoffing at others for their shortcomings. This also brings to mind the story of the adulterous woman in John chapter 8, where all the accusers of the adulterous woman went away one by one after Jesus started writing in the sand a couple of times. When the accusers all left, Jesus said to the woman, Go and sin no more. What a beautiful story of divine mercy and also the call to change one's life from a life of sin. In the similar vein, if left to ourselves, our will is not going to be perfectly be in line with God's will. Much like St. Paul, conversion is not something that happens to us once. It is an ongoing change of heart, a perpetual reorientation of ourselves in order to align our will with that of God's will. This is something that we must strive for, something that we must always be working towards. Because we are all like Tobit, imperfect. Despite how virtuous and pious Tobit may be, I am so far away from Tobit in that regard. Not even close. God have mercy. Amen. Amen. Okay, that's the first part. Let's unpack the second part from verses 7 to 11. So meanwhile, at around the same time, a woman named Sarah 
the daughter of Tobit's kinsman named Raguel, was falsely accused and was contemplating taking her life. She had suffered the loss of seven husbands just before the marriage night. Yet, she was mocked by one of her servants as if all that happened was a divine judgment against her. So from verses 7 to 9, Sarah has been falsely accused by one of her servants. She appears to be cursed by a demon, killing every one of her seven husbands on the night of marriage. Clearly, this was not Sarah's doing. Nonetheless, her servant scoffed at her and even cursed her. And so today, have you ever been falsely accused over something that is completely beyond your control? How serious were the allegations? And what did you do about that? For me, I still remember the day when my superior threw me literally under the bus during a board meeting in my younger days. I did not see that coming since I had a good working relationship with my superior and so I thought. So it was unexpected. Falsely accused means it is not true, right? So on the one hand, I was flustered, but I had to keep my cool in the boardroom by sticking to the facts. Things got ugly before it got better. And fortunately for me, the facts got me out of the bind and truth prevailed. I learned a lot from that experience alone. As a side note, the names chosen by the inspired writer in chapter 3 are kind of instructive. According to Bible scholars, the demon Asmodeus in Persian can be translated as demon of wrath. In Aramaic, the destroyer, which will be subdued by an archangel named Raphael, which means medicine of God or God has healed. So, essentially, the medicine of God will subdue and bind the destroyer in the story. And so, implicitly or explicitly, that's one of the key themes in the book of Tobit. According to St. Bede, Sarah signifies all those who knew so much about life in this world, which is formed in seven days, yet knew nothing to say about life eternal. My interpretation on that commentary is that Sarah symbolizes all those who may not have a complete or deep understanding of our Christian faith. For example, some Jews may not believe in the resurrection of the body. That is, they do not believe that there is an eternal life after death. As such, they may only focus living to the fullest in this life, with no concern of the outcome of their life after death. I continue and I quote, For this reason, the devil held them all hostage, insomuch as they were so into idolatry, until our Lord, the true bridegroom, came. The Lord joined this company to himself by his faithfulness, until the enemy had been overcome. Just as Tobiah took Sarah as his bride by the teaching and assistance of the archangel after the demon had been bound. The angel fittingly signifies our Savior's divinity, Tobiah, his humanity. End of quote. Wow, 
That is so good. Let's see if we can read through the entire book of Tobit through those lenses of St. Bede. From verses 12 to 15, we see that, saddened by the undeserved mockery, Sarah prays to the Lord to take her life. Like Tobit, despite her despair, Sarah begins a prayer in praise of the Lord. This is something that we can learn to emulate in our own prayer. And finally, from verses 16 to 17, at that very time that Tobit and Sarah pray, their prayers are heard. Both Tobit and Sarah pray for death. Their prayers are both faith-filled and desperate. But God has a different plan for them. Instead of granting them their wish, he sends Raphael to heal both of them. Like Tobit and Sarah, countless people in our present time experience severe affliction and cry out to God in ways that are both faith-filled and desperate. Like Tobit and Sarah, some go so far as to pray for death. Many of them are sick and suffering people in our own community. The story of Tobit and Sarah and the archangel Raphael reminds us that God hears those prayers and that God has a remedy. God's remedy includes the angels and the human beings he sends to heal. The story of the book of Tobit also shows us that it's okay to pray to God in desperation and honestly tell God what we want and how we feel. The prayers of Tobit and Sarah demonstrate profound faith in God's goodness and at the same time, don't hesitate to express raw feeling about their affliction. God heard those prayers and showed mercy. We have every reason to trust that God will hear our prayers and look favorably on us as well. And that's a good and timely reminder for all of us at this time of the pandemic. In conclusion, there are two main takeaways for me in chapter 3. One, no matter how pious or righteous we may be, we are not perfect and are no match against the devil, who is always lurking in the background, waiting for the opportune time to explore our weaknesses to draw us in into idolatry. As such, we must remain vigilant and remain close to Jesus Christ at all times so as to give us the best odds of overcoming the devil. Now this ties in nicely with the constant conversion and transformation of our heart so that we may align our will with that of God's will. Second, Prayer is an important theme throughout the book. Despite the desperation and exasperation, both Tobit and Sarah begin their prayers by giving praise to God. Why is that? Now, I believe that comes from our gratitude, an expression of our freedom that comes from God and God alone. In the first letter of John, there is a passage where John is trying to describe for us who God is and says, God is love. 
and then reminds us, here's what love means. Not that we have first loved God, but God has first loved us. That's from 1 John chapter 4. And in the words of St. Augustine, and I quote, The prayer ascends and God's mercy descends. Although the earth is deep down and heaven is high up, God hears the tongue of men if his conscience is clean. He talks with the senses if there is but a sigh on a part. Rain from the eyes is enough for his ears. He hears tears more quickly than words. End of quote. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, all praise and glory is to you. I love because you first loved me. Despite my imperfection, my unbelief, you came for me, your unworthy servant, because you first loved me. I can never understand your love for me, but I will strive to love you as you love me. Father, thank you for not answering my prayers in the way I asked, but for giving me more than I have ever asked for or imagined. In Jesus' name we pray. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Thank you for listening to the Setting Apart Podcast. If you like what you hear, please subscribe and get notified so you won't miss any new episodes. And please feel free to give me your ratings and reviews so that others may get to listen as well. Thank you and God bless.